0: We all have questions. We all need answers. It is on this program that we get our answers from the Bible. It's time to Ask the Preacher with Reverend Carl Gallups of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida. Welcome to another edition of Ask the Preacher. I'm your host, Mike Bates, and with me in the studio, as he is every week, is the pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, Reverend Carl Gallops. Welcome, Carl. Mike, thank you. It's a wonderful pleasure to be here. I have a question for you today about where we as human beings go when we die. We go to heaven, or we go to hell. And if we're good we go to heaven. Or so it is popularly believed. But John chapter 14 verse 6 very plainly says in quoting Jesus, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Does that mean there's a lot of good people that may not believe in Jesus that aren't going to end up in heaven? And if so, why don't all good people go to heaven?
1: Well, you've asked about three questions, but they all but they all relate to the same uh, to the same issue, and and you are correct. Uh, uh, there will be quote good people in hell. And I know that's very difficult for some people to hear, but I want you to hear this entire program in its context, and in the biblical context. And I think that you, I think it will become crystal clear to you why this is in a few moments, uh, to the listeners. Um, but yes, there will be good quote good people in hell, and uh, and yes, it, you, you must come through Jesus Christ in order to make it to heaven. And uh, as you said, it is popularly believed that all you have to do is be good and you go to heaven and you're bad and you go to hell. Well, if that's the case, then how do you define goodness? You see, this is where it all begins, Mike. Who sets the standards? Because the bottom line is, is if we set the standards, then we're measuring goodness against ourselves. But if God sets the standards, then the measure of goodness is against his own holiness and against specifically his son, Jesus Christ. So if it's against God's standards, then we just take the little Ten Commandments. Mike, have you always uh, kept all of the Ten Commandments all of your life? Do you ever break them?
0: I have not broken
1: all ten. <laughs> but you have broken some. And I And you still do, of course. Yes. And so that's God's standard, ten little commandments, therefore you're a bad person. You're not a good mm-hmm. person. You see, you see how dangerous that can get. When, if we want to just say, well listen, if I'm bad, send me to hell. But if I'm good, send me to heaven. And God says, okay. <laughs> okay, here's ten mm-hmm. rules. You're going to live 80 years. If you can keep all these ten rules perfectly for 80 years, you'll come to heaven. Just ten little rules. But see, the thing is, when you look at God's Word, there are more than ten little rules concerning God's will and God's holiness and the character God desires in us. And it soon becomes apparent to us that we don't have a problem with good and bad. We have a sin nature. We are not basically good people. We are basically bad people who have the ability to be good from time to time. And that we have talked about on other shows, Mike. That's evident in just looking at a little toddler, you know, a two- or Mm -hmm. three-year-old. I mean, we don't have to teach them how to lie. We have to teach them how to tell the truth. We don't have to teach them how to steal. We have to teach them how to share. We don't have to teach them. You know, we have to teach them virtuous characteristics because left to themselves... You know, A person will grow up to be a pretty bad person without some instruction and training in righteousness and in right and wrong. That demonstrates the basic character and nature of people from the beginning. We're not basically good people who have the t- propensity to be bad every now and then. We're basically bad people who have the propensity to be good every now and then. And so looking at it from that perspective throws a whole new light on it. Now let's get a little more biblical and a little more spiritual about the answer. I'm reminded uh, in John chapter 3 where a man by the name of Nicodemus went to Jesus at night, the Bible says. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a teacher of the law. Um, From what we know of the Pharisees and what we know of Nicodemus from a couple of other biblical references, these people, by and large, we're pretty squared away people. Now, now I know we know that they eventually were the ones responsible for getting Jesus on the cross along with the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin council. But I mean, prior to that, to the Christ event, they were highly esteemed by the people, the Jewish people, because they were very righteous people, very religious people, very, quote, good people, very godly people. They kept the law. But yet when Jesus came in in true holiness and true righteousness, standing side by side to the Pharisees, It was like roaches running from a light. I mean, their their, their goodness all of a sudden became evil in the light of his presence. And so this man, Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee and a good man, who we see him again at the cross uh, uh, with Air, uh, with Joseph of Arimathea taking Jesus' body down, putting him in the tomb. Many people believe that he probably came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ through his relationship with the Lord. But in John chapter 3 he comes to Jesus and he says something, like, and I don't have the Bible open in front of me so I'm paraphrasing, but he says basically to Jesus, listen, uh, we know that you must be uh, one who has come from God and he calls him good teacher. He says because nobody can do the things that you're doing unless he's come from God. And Jesus didn't even address what, what, what Nicodemus said there. And, and rather, Jesus looked at Nicodemus and he says, Nicodemus, no one will enter the kingdom of heaven unless he's born again. Now stop and think what Jesus said and who he said it to. He basically told Nicodemus, look Nicodemus, I know you're a religious man. I know you're in synagogue or as we Baptists would say in the south, I know you're in church every time the doors are open. You're in synagogue every time the doors are open. I know you know the law. I know you know the word. I know you quote believe in God. But Nicodemus, you're lacking something. Something has to happen from God above. You're not going to get into heaven through your own flesh and blood. You're not going to get into heaven through your own rules and regulations and keeping laws. Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, Mike, that born again, I know, sounds very ethereal to, 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 uh, to a lot of people, but it, it, but it is a spiritual thing that happens that God does from the inside out when a person says, yes, Jesus, you are my Savior. Yes, Jesus, you are Lord. Yes, Jesus, you are God, and I'm not. And they bow their knee and say, Jesus, please save me. There's something that spiritual that happens within a man, woman, boy, or girl. And the, and the Bible calls that being birthed again, born again, a renewal of one's spirit and mind from the inside out that God does. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you, you, even you, Nicodemus, even you, who, who carries the Ten Commandments around in his back pocket, even you, Nicodemus, who tithes, even you, who who, who goes and offers up incense and prayers and sacrifices, and even you, who knows the, the law from back to forwards, even you, Nicodemus, must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. So, you see, Jesus said this to a very good person, Mike, to a very religious person, to a very devout person, but yet Jesus said, you got to go beyond religion. You have to have a relationship, and that personal relationship with God is born about and brought about only through saving faith in Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus could say in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. That's why uh, it could be proclaimed, and in, 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 in Peter proclaimed in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, uh, there's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, th- that's why John three sixteen, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life and shall not perish. But then it goes on to say, but this is the condemnation of the world, that men love darkness rather than light, and he who has not believed is condemned already. And so it's not a matter of goodness or badness based upon human um, uh, a, a human um, uh, scaling of one another, but basically it is—it is. Are we willing to accept the righteousness and holiness of God? Are we willing to come to God's standard of goodness? Well. I can't live God's standard of goodness in my flesh life, Mike, but I can come to God's standard of goodness by accepting that sacrifice that Jesus made on my behalf and by bowing my knee and saying, yes, Jesus, I receive you. I receive your sacrifice. You become my goodness. You become my salvation. I don't need to be a better person, Mike. I need a savior. I don't need more rules and regulations to follow. I need a savior. I I don't need to to have somebody say whether I've been good or bad, check a list and see who's naughty or nice. I need a savior because in my sin nature, I can never measure up to God's standard for entering into his kingdom. Now, I want to give a human illustration that I think will help our listeners to understand. Because I know that still even people are struggling with, yeah, but I just can't imagine a really good person winding up in hell. And here's the illustration I would use, Mike. If you're living, uh, this is just a human illustration, but I think it'll help. You're living in a neighborhood. A, A guy moves in next door to you, nice guy. And let's say that you're living there and you have a wife and a son. And this guy moves in next door and you start conversing with him and he, winds up that he's a really great guy. You look at his life, he, he's got a great job, he makes good money, he employs a lot of people, he's a decent, fair man, he's never been in trouble with the law, squeaky, can't clean record, he treats his wife like a princess, he treats his children like just gold, um, he, he loans you tools, he helps you with yard work, uh, he's just this great guy, a good man by every stretch of the imagination. And so you're moving along, and, and you're getting to know this guy, and then one day, he comes over to you, and he's says, Hey, Mike, um, listen, I want to be best friends with you. And, you're, and you think, well, this, this is a good guy. And he says, but now here's the thing. I, I mean, I want us to spend time together. I want us to hunt together. I want us to fish together. I'd like to come in and out of your house whenever I want to. Um, but here's the thing, Mike. Um, I can't stand your wife and your son is a piece of trash to me. All right. Now, does that man's goodness change at that moment? No, not really. He's still the same good guy. But to you, your standard of goodness is where do you stand with my son, with my wife, with my family? He's still a great neighbor, he's still a great father, a great husband, he's a good man, he's never broken laws, he's still a good provider, he's a great businessman, but can he come in and out of your house at his will? No. Can he relationship with you at his will, on his terms? No. Alright? Jesus says the bride, of, 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 of his bride is the church. God says, my son is Jesus Christ. God says, you want to come into my house? You want to come into my presence? You want to come into my kingdom? you got to love my bride. you got to love my son. Then we can relationship together. Now, that doesn't take away from a person's goodness. And I know somebody might say, well, why even be a good person then? Well, it'll keep you out of prison. You can have a decent life. You can enjoy your life while you're here. But goodness or badness is not the determining quality of getting someone into heaven or hell, into God's house, into God's presence. In relationship with God, you have to come God's way. And God says, you got to love my family. you got to love my son. My son died for your sins. I put him out there, hung him out there to drive for you. He, he died for you. And you're going to spit in his face and tell me that you can come into my house whenever you want to because you're a good person? See, it doesn't make sense. See how we treat God like we wouldn't allow ourselves to be treated. Jesus said very clearly, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He's the only one that died on Calvary's cross. He's the only one that shed his blood for our sin. He's the only one that came out of a grave alive. He's the only one that deserves our worship, our attention, our effort, um, and and our life. And that's why uh, God is narrow-minded about this. People say, well you Christians are narrow-minded. No we're not. We're just telling you what God says. God's narrow-minded. God says there's one way to come into my house, and that is you must love my son. And Mike, when you put it in the human terms, I just put it in, that's not unfair at all. We would ask the same thing of our next door neighbor. I don't care how good of a person he is. Now, another illustration I use with people, Mike, is this. Um, I tell people, they say, well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I just don't get into all that Jesus stuff and church stuff and born-again stuff. But I believe the Bible is God's Word. And I say to them, well, let me tell you about a man that I know right here in Milton. I I know a guy right here in Milton who believes that Jesus is God's Son. He believes that Jesus is God's only Son. He believes that Jesus is the way of salvation and the only way of salvation. He also believes that the Bible is God's Word and God's only Word. He also believes that that the blood of Jesus Christ is is what covers our sin. He believes all of these things, Mike, but that man's name is Satan. (laughs) <laughs> you see the <laughs> yeah. man's name is Satan he believes the very same things and, and that's why in the book of James it says oh so you believe in God well you do well but so do the demons and they tremble see to just simply have a head belief in God doesn't count for anything mm-hmm. but what counts is to have a heart belief and a life belief to put, putting one's life into the hands of God through Jesus Christ so can a good person go to heaven yeah if they surrender their life to Jesus Christ Can a bad person go to heaven? Yeah. If they surrender their life to Jesus Christ and turn from their sin, letting the Lord work in their life. Yes. But can a good person go to heaven rejecting God's offer of life through Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. For the same reason you wouldn't let your next door neighbor come and go from your house at his will and call your relationship at his will when he said to you, I I can't stand your son. I don't want anything to do with your son. But yet you and I are going to be best friends and I'll come in and out of your house when I please. His goodness doesn't
0: change. But all of a sudden, his relationship with you changes. I think I just heard you say that if somebody has a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but are not necessarily good people. That they can still make it to heaven. That's a very interesting concept because we began the program by asking. I didn't say that though, so that's oh, why. Did I misunderstand? That, that would, okay, well
1: then clarify that would for be me, why please. it would be an interesting concept. Well, let's Wait. do it after
0: the break. We've got to take our okay. break, but I do want you to clarify that because we began the show by asking, why don't all good people go to heaven? And I'm now kind of wondering, does that mean the bad people can if they believe in Jesus? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. That's absolutely. surprising. Yeah. Bad people can go to heaven. Yeah. We'll get the explanation to that when Ask the Preacher continues. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher. I'm your host Mike Bates with me in the studio, Reverend Carl Gallups. Before we took that break, Carl, I may have misunderstood you. Did you say that bad people can go to heaven? Well, you know, Mike, I might have been a little harsh and
1: quickly jumping in and saying, uh, no, I didn't say that. And and I don't remember my exact words, but I do know why you may have heard that or I may have said that without defining it fully. So let me just straighten it all out. Yes, a bad person can go to heaven. But now let, let me let me address this, because I know probably the way you're thinking of it is the way a lot of people think of it and preachers spend a lot of their time trying to straighten it out. And that is, oh, so once I'm a Christian, I can live any way I want. I can be as bad as I want and I can go to heaven. No, that's not what I meant. What I mean is salvation, God's salvation is open to all even bad people, especially bad people. In fact, by God's standards, we're all sinners and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all bad people. So praise God, bad people can go to Heaven by surrendering their life to Jesus Christ. And that's all that I meant by that. But I do want to address the other side of that and that is the mis- the misconception that, well, so then okay, so let's say I'm a bad person, whatever standard that is. I mean, you know, some people would say, well, that means I'm a, a drug pusher or I'm a thief or I'm a prophet prostitute or whatever, these things that society calls bad. Yes. Can a drug pusher go to heaven? Yes. Can a thief go to heaven? Yes. Can a prostitute go to heaven? Yes. Provided they come to Jesus Christ, ask forgiveness, turn from their sin, and then they become a former drug pusher, a former prostitute, a former thief, and they surrender their life to the Lord. Yes, they can go to heaven through the forgiveness and the offer of, 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 of uh, salvation through Jesus Christ. And that's
0: explained very beautifully in the parable of the prodigal son.
1: Well, and, and in other teachings, but the prodigal son is, is an example. So yes, a bad person who then surrenders their life to Jesus Christ can go to heaven. That's what the entire gospel is about. God's offer of salvation to us all. We are all bad people. We are all sinners in the presence of a holy God. However, that begs also to answer the flip side of that where I think probably your mind was going and where a lot of people's minds go. And that is, oh well, so you're saying then that once I'm a Christian then I can continue to do bad things and then go to heaven. Well, that, that's not that's not so because once you are a born again Christian, the Bible says you will not continue in your sin. Now listen to those words. It does not say that we will never again struggle with sin. In fact, the Bible's clear that even Christians struggle with their sin nature. It does not say that we will never again slip and fall, because the Bible's clear that even Christians are subject to that. But what it does say is that we will not continue. Now that's the English word coming from the Greek word which expresses a thought that's much deeper than just using the word continue in. It means that, that if you are truly born again you will not then habitually, with no shame or remorse, continue or wallow in the same lifestyle you were in before. It is an impossibility. It's a spiritual impossibility because, like Jesus told Nicodemus, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again. You become a new creation. The Bible tells us from the inside out. So, what's the difference between the old Carl and the new Carl? Well, I, I like to say it like this: The Apostle Paul, before he was saved, we read about scriptures. He was bullheaded. He was hard-headed. He was loud-mouthed and straightforward. After he was saved, he was bullheaded, he was hard-headed, he was loud-mouthed, and he was straightforward, <laughs> but he was an entirely different man. He was still Paul, but now all of that bullheadedness and loud mouth and all of that was channeled towards the things of God, and he became a passionate man for the gospel, a passionate man for building the kingdom of God, and God used Paul. With all of his bull-headedness, all of his hard-headedness, all of his loud-mouth, and all of his straightforwardness, God used Paul. And Paul truly was a changed man. Before he was hunting down Christians and killing them, now he has become the greatest spokesperson for Christianity, yet he's still the same person. But on the inside, spiritually, he has become a new creation. Did Paul still struggle with a temper? Of course. Did he still struggle with keeping his mouth under control? Of course. Did he still struggle? See, those are elements of his sin nature. But he didn't continue in them, Mike. He didn't wallow in them. They didn't cause him to hate God's people and kill Christians again. It was a whole different set of circumstances. So that when Paul then struggled with his sin nature and he wrote about it in the book of Romans, he says, oh, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do want to do, I don't do. And he says, what a wretched man I am. He says, but thanks be to God for Jesus Christ because through Him I can do all things. So in other words, he was saying, yes, I still struggle with my sin nature. I'm the Apostle Paul and I still struggle with it. But The difference is, and now I'm going to shift it to me, I know in my own life the difference with the old Carl and the new Carl, I'm still the same Carl and loud mouth and bullheaded and all those things. (laughs) I'm still the same, but I'm a different person inside. Now I care about the things of God, the people of God, the kingdom of God, the uh, God's word. That's why I'm doing this radio program. I would have never done this when I was, uh, you know, outside of Jesus Christ. But the difference is now, do I still struggle with my sin nature? Absolutely. But does it control my life now? No. Do I wallow in it? No. Do I continue in it? No. Uh, When I do stumble in it, am I convicted by it? Do I desire to get it right? Do I make every effort to get it right with God and or whoever I've offended? Yes. See, therein is the difference. So we will, none of us, even a born-again Christian who loves Jesus, even a preacher like myself, we will never live out our life and die and have somebody stand over our casket and say, there lies a perfect man who once he gave his life to Jesus, he never sinned again. Mike, that will not be able to be said at my funeral, or yours. But can somebody say at my funeral, and I pray so, here lies a man who was committed to Jesus Christ in a consistent way, in such a real and consistent way that his life actually made a difference for the kingdom of God. Well, I pray so. And that's what I'm working towards now. And so, yes, Mike, a bad person can enter heaven, but it is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, once that bad person is saved, they will not continue in that badness and whatever it is. And but will they struggle with this in nature for the rest of their life? Yeah, probably so. That's one of the consequences of sin. But will it control them? No. Will they be overcome by it? No will they then live a life that brings glory to God and honor to God? Yes, if they're born again. And so people say, people say, once you're saved, then you're always saved. And I say, well, the biblical truth is this. The biblical truth is not once you're saved, you're always saved, so therefore you can live like you want. And the flip side of it, it's not this other teaching that's in some denominations that, well, no, you can never really know if you're saved. You could lose it in any given moment. No, the truth is once you're saved, you're always saved, provided you are truly born again and saved. And if you are truly born again and saved, then you truly are becoming a new creation and the old things
0: are passing away and the new things are coming. That's the biblical truth. But in the case of, let's just say a drug addict, I mean, cocaine just as an example, highly, highly addictive. Absolutely. Somebody becomes born again, they get off the the drug, they, they lose the addiction but it comes back because there's a physical addiction to Uh cocaine that is among the most powerful of all the drugs that there is in terms of physical addictions. So suppose they fall off the wagon, which I guess isn't really cocaine, but it's an expression everybody knows, and they get back into the drug lifestyle through their fault. Mm -hmm. If they then, after descending (laughs) into that lifestyle, come out, and they accept Jesus again, or do they sort of? How does that? Can you be born again twice? Yeah. No, you're born again once, Mike. But see, the,
1: the, these questions. Are very, thank you for asking. Very, very difficult. You've, you're, you're giving me the two minute sign now, and, I, and I, I don't know if I can answer this in two minutes. But we might have to do another whole show on it. But the bottom line to that, Mike, is this: um, that you know, this is why we, we preach so vehemently. Against like sexual addictions or drug addictions because these are some of the most devastating addictions and we find that even born again Christians after they are born again the remnants of this sin still has tentacles oftentimes in them and a lot of times it's just a matter of 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 time and deliverance and prayer and 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 struggling and sweating through these things sometimes there's medical help that needs to be given particularly in the cases of drug addiction but uh, but to Answer to your question, if somebody falls in and out, in and out, in and out, and then they die, where are they going, heaven or hell? Well, I'm glad God gets to sort that out and not me. Um, uh, You know, I don't stand over somebody's casket and try to make those determinations. But the bottom line is that if a person is truly born again, there is forgiveness and salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, and there can be complete healing through the miraculous touch of God in their life. Absolutely. And all someone has to do is believe and ask, right? That's what the Bible says. Yep. And uh, uh, Romans uh, 10, 13, whosoever believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And that name, that word belief doesn't mean just a head belief, but it means a belief with your life, bowing
0: up one's knee and saying, Jesus, I give my life to you. Save me. Such a big gift and really... Not that hard to obtain. Not that hard to obtain. We are out of time, Carl. Would you please close us in prayer? I'd be glad to. And so, Jesus, I pray that you take what we've said today and use it to
1: speak truth to people's hearts so that uh, Christians can live in victory and so that the lost can be saved through the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen.